Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for life. We're in Joshua 16 now, and uh, today's message is called couldn't and wouldn't uh, really effectively more effectively I should have called it could not and did not <laughs> you ever have something that you could not do versus something you did not do because you would not do it uh, there's it's two different two different worlds uh, and could not did not and we're going to see some of that between chapter 16 and, and the last time at chapter 15 and we'll go through all of that uh, let's pray real quick first. I am not at my best this morning. I can't quite put a finger on what's wrong with me, <laughs> but I've been preaching a lot about how God does his His uh, best stuff in our weakness, so maybe that's what this is. I don't know. I'm going to, I'm not going to be a could not or a did not. I'm going to be a will do it, so I'm going to go through it and we're going to do it anyway. However it comes out, I guarantee you it won't be done through me. It's going to be done through the Lord, okay? So, um Father, thank you for today, Lord. I thank you for all those who have come. I thank you for all those who will listen through radio and uh, YouTube and whatever means, Lord God. I just want to get the gospel to as many people as I can. That is just it. And so, uh, Lord, however well or however not well I speak today, you're doing the work. It's going to be on you. Thank you, Lord, for bringing the understanding. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So, okay, we're going to jump straight in. Joshua 16 and verse 1. Ephraim, Ephraim, I'm trying to make sure I get it right, and West Manasseh. And the reason it says West Manasseh is because the Eastern Jordan uh, people of Manasseh, they jumped in early and said, oh, we'll take it here. We'll take this side. This side's fine with us. So they were kind of in a hurry to get, oh, we want this. Instead of, wait a minute, check the rest out first. Why don't you see what's out there? Settle it by lots, you know. They're, no, 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 we're good over here. So the Bible is distinct in East versus West Manasseh. So they're, they're dividing the land out by lots as they've been doing. The lots determine where a tribe settles. Now that they're in Israel, all the Israelites, all the tribes got in, and to determine where their inheritance is going to be, they threw, they either threw lots or drew it out of a bag. However they did it, I don't know. But the lot determined where they would place the tribe, not the size. The size was dependent on population. So anyway, as it starts off right away in verse 1, Joshua 16 and 1, it says, The lot fell to the children of Joseph from the Jordan by Jericho to the waters of Jericho on the east to the wilderness that goes up from Jericho through the mountains to Bethel. Then went out from Bethel to Luz passed along to the border of the Archites at Ataroth and went down westward to the boundary of the Jephlethites as far as the boundary of (coughs) 
as far as the boundary of lower Beth Horon to Gezer, and it ended at the sea. So the children of Joseph, Manasseh, and Ephraim took their inheritance. So like I was getting at there a minute ago, the reason the drawn lots for the inheritance is because it is impartial. Man cannot have a bias on who, well, I prefer to be over here, so I'm going to go rig this, you know, rig things up. It, it doesn't work like that. It's a very impartial system. And plus, the Israelites know that God controls the lot. They understand this from Proverbs 16.33. It was very widely held belief in this. The lot is cast into the lap, but its every decision is from the Lord. That's for you people that like to gamble. <laughs> God controls this stuff, and it's not good to mess with that, okay? He, he's in control of what you consider to be chance. He owns all that. He has utmost authority. And so, as it says, the lot fell to the two children of Joseph, e- Ephraim and Manasseh, the two children of Joseph. Why two? Uh, you know, when you have a, a lot fall on two children, that indicates a double inheritance for Joseph. Biblical law states that the oldest brother got the double inheritance over his brothers. But Joshua, uh, uh, Joseph, I'm sorry, children of Joseph, they got the double inheritance, but Joseph was not the firstborn. Reuben was the firstborn. It should have gone to him. So we got to ask the question, how did Joseph get the double inheritance instead of Reuben? Well, two things happened uh, that, that went down that caused this. Back in history, you can remember, I'm just going to give you the condensed version of this story. Joseph's brothers sold him off to a caravan because they didn't like him. And jo- but Joseph was faithful to God. God raised him up through the Egyptian ranks to become second only to Pharaoh. He got up in power. And so Joseph used that position that God gave him to build up Egypt's food supply so that later when a famine hit, Joseph's brothers came to Egypt looking for food, and they were absolutely shocked to find that the brother they had rejected many years ago is now the one who had the power to save their lives. (laughs) That's how God works. As a matter of fact, Joseph told them in Genesis 45 and 7, he said, God sent me before you to preserve a posterity for you in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. And so Joseph was faithful. But older brother Reuben, the firstborn, was quite the opposite. He was unfaithful. First Chronicles 5 and 1 says, Now the sons of Reuben, the firstborn, there he is, firstborn, the firstborn of Israel, he was indeed the firstborn, but because he defiled his father's bed, his birthright was given to the sons of Joseph, the son of Israel. That's what went down. You had one guy acting right and one guy acting wrong. Both of those things together caused Reuben to lose his inheritance, his double portion, got passed over to um, Joseph. That's how he got it. Show that map. Is the map up there? Did I put a map? Okay. Uh, and so the, the land is being divided out. And you can see on the map here, when you compare the size difference, look at the difference of size between Ephraim and Manasseh against Reuben's area. See the size difference? It's huge. And uh, you can see that Reuben's sin is still doing damage here now over 400 years later is when the tribes are being given, uh, given out after the, their time in Egypt. Look at what it's still doing. Guys, when you commit sin, it doesn't just play a little bit. It plays a lot. <laughs> 
And I'll also tell you, when you obey God, blessing doesn't just play a little bit. It plays a lot too. You can see it in the map. And so now in Joshua 16 here, we're, we are now given a description of the double inheritance of Joseph's children, Manasseh and Ephraim. And this is the central territory here that you can see of, uh, of land where it's very, very beautiful and very fertile. That's why the Bible specifies West Manasseh. They kind of got a good deal over here being on the west side of the Jordan now, right? Um, Now, again, remember that lots were thrown to determine where a tribe settled, not how much land they got, but where, not how much. And so the size of the inheritance was proportionate to the tribe's population. So what we see here is that Joseph's faithfulness had a direct influence on his family because centuries later, they are now so many people. That's blessing. He instilled faithfulness in his family. And look at what it did from centuries later. Tremendous blessing. And it gave them uh, this huge inheritance. You know, Joseph didn't just get double land. Here's double land for you, Joseph. He didn't just get double land. According to his faithfulness, it also resulted in extra large numbers of family line behind him so that they they could fill that space of that double-sized area. It's not just more land, it's more people. Lots of productivity. Friends, this ought to, if anything, inspire us to really live faithfully before God. Not just for God, but also for the sakes of our families. Because look what it does. It's tremendous. For our families live faithfully. It does a lot of good. But also sin, when not dealt with, does a lot of bad too. Look at old Reuben there, okay? Joshua 16 and 5. We're in the land of Ephraim. The border of the children of Ephraim, according to their families, remember that right there, according to their families, was thus. The border of their inheritance on the east side was Ataroth Adar, as far as upper Beth Horon, and the border went out toward the sea on the north side of Mikmethath. Then the border went around eastward to Tanath Shiloh, remember Shiloh also, and passed by it on the east of Genoa, I think that is. And, and I got to say something again, for all you who speak Hebrew, my Jewish friends, I am not trying to mock your names, I just can't say them. <laughs> so I'm doing the best I can. Um, where was I? Verse 7. Then it went down from Genoa to Ataroth and Nera, reached to Jericho and came out of the Jordan. The border went out from Tapua westward to the brook Cana, and it ended at the sea. This was the inheritance of the tribe of the children of Ephraim, according to their families. The separate cities for the children of Ephraim were among the inheritance of the children of Manasseh, all the cities with their villages, and they did not drive out the Canaanites who dwelt in Gezer, but the Canaanites dwell among the Ephraimites to this day and have become forced laborers. Okay, let's break some of this stuff down a little bit. There in verse 8, where you see where it says the border went out from Tapua, from Tapua westward. 
A few years ago, I was at, in Israel at the Feast of Tabernacles, the most fantastic, <laughs> one of the most fantastic times of my life. It's the, one of the closest things to heaven on earth you can get to. All the nations of the world collide in one spot in the desert, and they worship and sing and go crazy for the Lord in Israel. And we were at the Feast of Tabernacles. Of course, it's a feast, so there has to be food. And so before the, the celebration time, we walked through this huge area with food everywhere. And we're loading up our plates, and we're, we're rigging up on some good uh, Israeli food. And we come up to this giant, like, giant tables. They were huge. There's several tables of fruit. And when we walked upon these tables of fruit, Dove Schwartz said, Tapua. He goes, Tapua. And I remember that because it was a special time. I just happened to remember him saying tapua. And so tapua means apples in Hebrew. He saw apples, and so he said, ah, tapua. <laughs> and so when you see a biblical place named tapua, you know that area is fruitful, right? Makes sense. And so it's very fruitful. So not only is Joseph's family fruitful, not only is his inheritance fruitful, but also the land is fruitful to feed all these people, right? And so when you look at the names, right down to the very names of the borders are called fruitful, like apples. What does that tell you about obedience to God? means it's very blessing to do, to do that, right? Now, I know it may sound funny to name a town called Apples. Okay, Pearland. <laughs> it's a town named for its fruitfulness, just like Pearland. And as I understand the history of Pearland, they had lots of pear trees if they still don't already. But isn't it awesome that when you walk with God... Even what you consider your farthest limits, because it said Tapua was the border. When you consider, oh, that's, that's my limit. I can't, it, that's so far. That's my limit. Even your limits, God considers fruitful. I'm experiencing that right now, believe me. <laughs> I've been pushed to my limits this week, and I hope this is being fruitful to you. God's power is made perfect in weakness, and so even your limits can be fruitful, as we see Tapua as a border town. And so a lot of this inheritance area is where Joshua's battles had taken place, as we've been reading before, as well as the location of Shiloh. It says mentioned there, I think, in verse 6. What is so important about Shiloh? Let me take you to, forward to Joshua 18 and 1. It says, now the whole congregation of the children of Israel assembled together at Shiloh and set up the tabernacle of, of meeting there, which I think is fantastic because I learned about the word tapua at the Feast of Tabernacles, and that's where the tabernacle was set up. <laughs> so Shiloh is where the tabernacle of meeting was set up, and historically the tabernacle is going to remain there at Shiloh for the next 300 years where it's going to be. That's where the Ark of the Covenant was kept. The, the tabernacle was like the pre-temple temple. It's like the portable version of the temple. It's made up the same way. Outer, middle, and center courts that it has. And at the very center of it, where no one could go in there, is where the Ark of the Covenant was kept. And that's the, the place where the presence of the Lord Himself dwelled among His people Israel in that innermost chamber of the Holy of Holies in the tabernacle. Now, later on in history... 
We're going to see that Samuel was dedicated to priestly service as a child, and he worked in Shiloh at the tabernacles where he first worked. It's also Samuel who later declares David to become God's anointed king of Jerusalem. And so Shiloh is going to have a lot of rich history coming forward from this time for for Israel, and it also affects us still today. And looking through history, you can literally see all the great fruitful blessing that came down through Joseph's faithfulness because of look at everything that God is establishing right here in this inheritance, all these great things he's going to do because of what one man did in faithfulness. You realize you could do a lot of faithful things through God too and have a great effect on many people as well. It works that way. And another thing that faithfulness does is it promotes unity. It promotes unity. Here we are in the body of Christ today. We have unity together. The, the praise band got up here, and qu- quite frankly, not to, not to pump anybody up, I think the praise was one of the best I've ever heard since being here. I thought it was wonderful today. And it promotes unity. It gets us together in harmony. Psalm 133 and 1 says this, Behold, which means look, Look how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Unity is very, very important. So look again at Joshua 16, verse 9. It said, The separate cities for the children of Ephraim were among the inheritance of the children of Manasseh. Did you catch that when we first read it? They have their own separate cities. In the among the inheritance of the children of Manasseh, all the cities with their villages. So this means that the cities for the people of people of Ephraim were actually built inside of Manasseh's borders. It's like, hey, we want y'all to put some of your towns over here with us. That's a people that wants unity with their brethren. The tribes of Ephraim, Ephraim and Manasseh wanted unity with each other so much they said, get over here, get over here. Well, you know, it would be nice if we had a city. Put you some cities here. Put you some cities here. We want you. We want to dwell together with you. That was an easy one to miss, wasn't it? That they put their cities in there together. And so the separate cities for the children of Ephraim were among the inheritance of the children of Manasseh. Can you see the wonderful unity that godly faith brings? It brings his people together. Now, there's people that claim they have a love for God, but they don't like unity with the brethren. They just don't want unity. I don't buy it. I just don't buy it because it's what faith does. Red flags go up when you hear that. If you truly walk with God, a direct result of that faith will be a tremendous desire to be in unity with the brethren. And that's just. Godly good stuff. First uh, Corinthians 1 and 10 says, Now I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. Okay, I always go to this, but it's just our culture today. You turn on the news, everything out there flying around is designed to bust everybody up. It's designed to make this group hate this group, hate this group, hate that group. And if you don't agree 100%, well, let's just go all to full out war and destroy each other. That is not unity. It is ungodly. It is the acts of people who are not faithful to God. Don't listen to it. Don't buy it. Okay? 
when you are in unity with the Lord Jesus Christ, he wants to indwell you. You will be in unity with the brethren. It's, it's a result of a genuine, authentic salvation. So these separate cities that's within Manasseh is a wonderful demonstration. It is absolute proof that they had such a unity to actually want to be together. You ever had a group of people you actually wanted to be with? (laughs) I come here, I want to be with y'all. Did y'all see the virus definitions pop up on the screen during praise? Okay, once a week, you need to come into the congregation and download your updates, man. You need to get updated because there's new stuff coming on out there. But it's no wonder that God chose for his presence to dwell within the tabernacle at Shiloh among a people that want fellowship with each other. God goes, oh, that's where I want the the tabernacle, right there in Shiloh. These people got it. They understand it. And so he dwelled with these people here in the tabernacle. And you know, God will dwell among us too if we love one another in unity. You can't love people from afar. I had a friend who said, you know, Ray, I, I, I turn on the radio when I'm going to work and I listen to what's his name on the radio. And he goes, that's my church. That's my church. I knew this man. He hated people, man. He couldn't stand to be around nobody. Nobody was as good as him. But my church is on the radio. I said, but you're the only one in the car. <laughs> well, that's my church. I said, church is, is community. It's union, unity, harmony, brethren. Love together. That's what it is. There's nobody to love in the car. There's a problem. (laughs) So God will dwell among us too if we love one another in unity. Okay, but there's there's always there's always the little catch because we're the sinner, right? There's always a little something off about us people because we we messed up. There's always something in the mix when you have man in it. Look at Joshua sixteen verse ten. Here we go. Here comes the hard part. You heard the nice part. Here comes the hard part. (laughs) Verse 10. It says that the children of Ephraim did not drive out the Canaanites. Uh Uh-oh. Boy, I thought I had it 100% until I saw that. (laughs) They did not drive out the Canaanites. Back in Joshua 15, it said the children of Judah could not drive out the Jebusites. Out of Jerusalem, if y'all remember last chapter, they could not drive out the Jebusites. But Joshua 16 says Ephraim did not drive out the Canaanites, the Canaanites. Could not and did not. Mm. That's the two differences here. Big difference, though. Josh, uh, Judah, in the previous chapter, Judah tried to drive out the Jebusites, but could not. But here, in chapter 16, verse 10, Ephraim did not. Why? What's going on? What does this mean? Apparently, they made a choice not to drive the Canaanites out. Now, why would they do such a thing? The answer is right there in verse 10. It says the Canaanites became forced laborers. The thought was, why drive them out when we can use them? Make them work. Mm, Opportunist thinking here, isn't it? Hmm, I see something in this for me. Instead of obeying God, I think, I'll I'll use that. Yeah, I could get that guy and put him to work. I don't have to do anything. I got these guys doing all this stuff. I just chill out and take it easy. It's disobedience and it's wrong. 
They saw selfish, very selfish opportunity instead of just doing what God told them to do. Thank you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for